It is a pleasure to be here. Um, this is one of my favorite events to do. It is great to see faces that are familiar and faces that are new. Thank you, Tyler. And Enrique, it is wonderful to be here with you. Where are you coming to us from? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, here from Los Angeles. Great. Okay, we are both on the West Coast, so I can say it's still morning for you. Um, yes. You know, it, as, as John Fortwell knows, the hybrid remote first in office, it's been a bit of a sensitive topic on CNBC. We speak to executives, um, to CEOs all the time who have really strong feelings and elicit strong feelings from our audience, from employees. So Enrique, I'm really curious as to your approach because you are going remote first and I think Eric Harry's still on. So I'm just, I'm gonna put this out there as you wrote it to your employees. You said that Zoom meetings can be inherently less effective but since they're the only way to interact face-to-face, -face, it's easy to abuse them as an attempt to clone the office. So what you say in your first principle of remote first work is clone the internet, not the office. What do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, look, the first thing that I would say about um, remote work is there's no one size fits all. I think depending on your business, your product, your culture, um, remote might or might not be a good fit. And um, so I think that's the important thing. You know, it's it's a lot for, hey, how does this work for my company, not how does this remote work for every other company out there, which I think is an important caveat to basically everything I'm, I'm going to say next. And, um, and I think that remote has pros and cons. And, you know, you, you definitely need to want the pros a lot in order to be okay with some of the possible cons, right? Given it's a model that hasn't been used for a long time. So I just want to start everything by caveating with, with these two things. Um, in specific on clone the internet, not the office is, I think what a lot of people are trying to do is how do we get things that we did in person and bring it to Zoom? So that created things like virtual happy hours, right? Like everyone drinking a beer in front of the Zoom camera. I personally never like those, you know, I think like happy hours were experiences that were designed to be in person and, you know, to have beer and there's the atmosphere and all these things. But there's a lot of experiences that were designed to be in the internet, for example, gaming. So sometimes when we do team botting events, we just play an online game all together. Um, and even if it's a very like, you know, easy game that everyone can play you don't need to be a gamer it can be like super casual but that's an experience that was originally designed to be in the internet right um and not an experience that was created in the physical world and then brought to the internet another example of this is you know people say oh it's it's impossible to create culture or you know to create love over the internet and I think anyone that has a young daughter or, you know, a young niece uh, or, or nephew or can, can, can tell you that YouTubers create a lot of love online, right? If, you know, if your daughter or son sees a YouTuber they like on the street, they're going to start screaming and be, you know, super starstruck. And they absolutely love that person, even though uh, they never met in person. And how is that possible, right, um, without having to be in person? And so I went to talk to a lot of these YouTubers to try to understand how to create this, this love. And, and, you know, because YouTubers were created out of the internet, they needed to create this connection out of love. So uh, what they do is they just have very frequent communication. So they basically, a lot of the successful YouTubers, 
they actually talk to their audience every single day. They release one video every day. So if you, if we, you watch someone every day, you create a really big connection of that person just because of the frequency. So one of the things that us and our managers have been starting to do is a more like vlog-like communication channel in which we're doing, you know, vlogs for the employees and they feel a lot more uh, connected to us than when we just, you know, saw you passing by in the office or saw you in the meeting room, right? So I think there's like a lot of things that the internet solved before and how to, to, to do things that we should look to and copy instead of trying to bring the, what we did into the office into the online version. That's so fascinating, especially I'm not sure how many people know your backstory, but the first engineer you hired at Brex, right, you had met in an online gaming community and it allowed you to get to know him, even though he was in rural Brazil. And uh, to your point on YouTubers as well, I don't know, show of hands, if anyone wants to put their hand up, if they know, have a son or daughter, niece or nephew that plays Fortnite or Roblox. Um, you certainly seen that that was a bit of a lifesaver during the pandemic in a way for them to interact with friends that they currently had or new ones and also become more global. And Enrique, that's part of it too, isn't it? Is that access to talent. Going back to your example with your first engineer, um, it widens that pool for you. How have you seen that evolve, especially over the last month when companies have started to figure out their plans and you have a few, even tech companies that wanna be in person first. Does that help your case for hiring the very best engineers? So for us, um, hiring people globally is the main uh, advantage of remote. So uh, we're willing to take a lot of the downsides of remote for the fact that we get to hire people wherever they are. And um, so this isn't a great example about our first engineer. We hired him, him out of rural Brazil and we just recently started hiring in Brazil in general Brex. And we thought that, look, you know, most of our hiring is going to happen out of Sao Paulo or Rio, which are the two kind of like largest cities. And actually, our hiring has been happening all over the country, places we would have never have open offices um, because there's the reality is, and again, for engineering within our department, right, like in our, our way of thinking about the world, uh, it's not that there's like this random city in Brazil that by the way, has a concentration of amazing engineers. No, maybe there's not a concentration of them, but there's maybe one or two or three. And you would never open an office there and try to hire them. But with remote, you get access to this like global pool of talent. So I think that's number one. And then I think number two is having um, our best people being able to live their best lives and live wherever they want, independent of where our offices are. I think also generates a lot of flexibility and it's an amazing benefit like for example i moved from san francisco to los angeles i thought i was going to live in san francisco for the rest of my life i was like fully you know i didn't really like san francisco that much but i was set on it i was okay with it um and now i moved to la and i love la a lot more and that makes me really happy and like me there's many others at brex that are living their best lives um, by being able to be location unconstrained by remote work so your point is one that I hear from a lot of technology executives is your pool to talent may be limited. And also, I just want to tell all of our participants, please drop in a note. It can be a comment or a question to Enrique. Um, you can agree, disagree, just comment on sort of this remote first model. We'd love to hear from you. So 
most tech companies are with you, Enrique. More flexibility gives them more access to talent when there's certainly a talent war going on. There's so many places for people to choose from, to work from. We spoke on the show um, a few weeks ago to the CEO of C3AI, so another tech company, uh, Tom Siebel, and he said basically they want every, he wants everyone back in the office 100% of the time. And if you don't want to be in the office, then you know, he's basically, you're not a fit for his company. And I asked him, I said, you know, does that limit your access to talent? And he said, we have so many more applications than we can ever fill. We're okay with not getting those people. How do you respond to that, Enrique? And his argument is just that they're inventing new things. They're doing new things, pushing the boundaries. And simply, it just works better in collaboration in person. Um, um, look, um, you know, again, there's there's no formula for every company. It depends on your culture, right? Like at our company, in our culture specifically, we already had four offices since really early on. So a lot of the downsides of remote already comes with the multi-office setup, right? Like teams were already spread between multiple offices and having to collaborate over Zoom. Uh, so we already had some of that, the downsides of that. And, and look for specific types of talent and depending on how many engineers you want to have and what are the locations that you're hiring, maybe you, you don't feel constrained like for our bar of engineering and, you know, how high our bar was. Um, and, you know, we always felt constrained and we do have a lot of applications, but the ones that actually get through to being hired are so, so small that we actually need a bigger pool of people that we can hire from. So again, I, I don't think, um, you know, a lot of, it works for every company. Um, and, but for us, it's, it's a big advantage. And for him, it sounds like, you know, he's, he's happy the way it is. And I think that's going to be the reality in the future. Like a lot of companies are just going to be different that way. Yeah. And we are seeing sort of some CEOs, founders take strong stances. Enrique, what about the argument that especially junior, younger employees need that face-to-face -face time? I know that with your model, you talk about these in-person um, events that you're going to have, it's gonna be very thoughtful. Um, but what about you know the simple water cooler conversation? Perhaps a junior employee may not feel bold enough to email you and say, okay, let's set up some time, some virtual time to talk one-on-one. -on -one. But you know, I even remember <laughs> being a young reporter waiting outside my editor's office just to you know have that spontaneous conversation where the stakes weren't so high but in the longer run proved to be really really important i think there's um there's two the the water cooler conversation there's two points one around the junior employees and honestly i do agree that if you're just out of college i'm not talking about two years out of college i'm talking about first year first job out of college um it is harder in the remote environment. Uh, you know, like I think for those people who are like literally is their first job and they have to learn how to work first, um, it is hard. It's, we don't hire a lot of those at Breck specifically. Most of our hiring starts at like, you know, two years after college. Um, and so we haven't seen the downsides of that so much, but I, I do agree it's one of the downsides. And again, as I said in the beginning, right, like the upsides of remote for your business need to be worth some of the downsides. This is a very clear downside in my view. Um, but for us, since we don't hire a lot of them anyway, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, the second thing I would say is people say that, oh, what about all the ideas and the creativity and sparking new things, you know, that comes out of the water cooler conversation? That part, I actually disagree more. Um, 
I think that the creativity and the new ideas comes from unstructured time. So it comes from, it could be from the water cooler, but it could also be from a long flight that you have of your coworkers, right? It could be from um, being at a dinner of your coworker. So there's a lot of places in which new ideas can come up as long as it's unstructured. You don't really have what to talk about and you're coming up with stuff, you know, and, and, and that's my view. And I think that the way you achieve that in a remote environment is that you have to have planned and structured time. And the way to do that, in our view, is by reducing the amount of meetings that you have that are about, you know, just like agenda items that you could do asynchronously. So a big part of the transition for our remote culture was going from a synchronous decision-making culture in which we have meetings to review agendas or to go over results or, you know, just these meetings that have a cadence that happened recently just to go through something that could have been on a document to going through a lot of meetings being transformed in asynchronous in which someone writes a memo. And then if there's nothing to discuss because the memo is well-written and we're just seeing the outcome, we don't have that meeting. And if we don't have that meeting, you have less Zooms, people get less fatigue. And also the meetings that you do have, you focus on more productive discussions um, and sometimes even have planned unstructured meetings in which you just have time to spark ideas. That's fascinating. And you also, at the beginning, Enrique, you talked a little bit about some of those tools. I love your idea of instead of a happy hour, perhaps um, a gaming hour. <laughs> it doesn't have yeah. to be Fortnite or something complicated. It can be something that everyone can participate. And I wonder if you could talk more about some other tools that you have found effective, especially I realize you and Brex are in a unique position, as you've mentioned, because you guys were already somewhat distributed. But I know we have a few Salesforce representatives on the call, too. They have a tower in San Francisco. So maybe more difficult to disperse or adopt that model. What kind of tools can companies um, that will have a hybrid model or perhaps an in-person model adopt that you think would be helpful and has been helpful to Brex? Uh, I think that, you know, it's hard to, to say, talk about tools without knowing the specific operational cadence of the company, right? Because it depends a lot on like how the company runs and how it communicates with its employees and what are the, the, the cadences and, and the rigor that the company has. So it's, it's really hard to describe for every company. I can say about what we do and the tools that we use. Um, so we use basically Slack for all our like synchronous communication, things that need to be um, you know, real time. We use a, a, a tool called Threads to do basically announcements or reports and updates. Um, from the teams to basically, hey, this is what happened with this team this week. And they can post like some freaking updates and who's ever interested can subscribe and, and see what's happening. And we use Google Docs for all of our memos and, um, and, and things like that. So those are probably the three main communication tools we use and Zoom, obviously, for the, for the calls. Uh, nothing too complicated. And it's more about how you organize within those tools and how everyone learns to use those tools than the actual tools that you're using.